The Film Guide with Chris and Sam. Part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and good day to you. Welcome to the St Albans Film Guide. This week it will be Chris Aikman guiding us through films that are being released in the cinema, on streaming, and a pick of free-to-air television films as well, and as well as the important Where To Next section of Chris's films guide. And my name's Sam. Hello, Chris. Hello, Sam. (laughs) How's it going? All right. I was... (laughs) done this intro so many times, I was like, I'll try and change it up slightly and then i just stumbled over myself continuously so that was you sort of forgot what your own name was briefly i think yeah a little bit a little bit and what we're even here for honestly so it's a very good question very philosophical (laughs) exactly today is friday the 10th of march 2023 and as always you know we'll keep the structure the same no no messing around here we'll start with what is new in the cinema Yes, yeah, so quite a few new things in the cinema this week. Um, we have, first of all, Scream 6, the latest in the hugely successful horror franchise. The previous film in the series was Scream 5, but it was just called Scream. Right. I've never heard very, of these movies. What are you talking about? It's a very <laughs> annoying naming convention that they uh, they often do in like video games and stuff. There are plenty of games just called Call of Duty. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's it was very annoying. But now they've gone back to Scream Six. Uh, the last one was very well received, actually. Scream Four was not as well reviewed, um, but Scream Five was quite successful. Sort of revived the franchise again, and so they're back this time. Uh, the survivors of the ghost face, ghost face killings leave uh, Woodsboro behind them, and they start uh, afresh in New York City, where I'm yeah. sure everything's going to be fine. Yeah, so, I mean, if you can't make it there, <laughs> you can't make it anywhere, right? No, exactly. So, and and nothing bad ever happens in New York. No, never. Um, I've not heard of a single thing. I mean, we were in New York relatively recently, and, and you know, it was quite smelly got, in parts. But Yeah, we got home again, so. We got home again, we were fine. No serial killers slashed us up, so. No. Good going. I'm sure it will be the same for these folk. Exactly. Uh, so that is Scream 6. And next up, we've got Champions. Uh, so this is about, uh, it stars Woody Harrelson as a former minor league basketball coach who's ordered, he's court mandated to manage a team of players with intellectual disabilities. So he soon realizes that despite his doubts, together his team can go further than they ever imagined. Uh, so, like I said, it stars Woody Harrelson, uh, Caitlin Olsen, Mike Smith, Kevin Iannucci, Ernie Hudson, amongst others. And um, I've not seen that many reviews of this so far. Uh, and it's it's one of those films that, with the subject matter, could obviously come out terribly, um, mm. you know, depending on how it's treated. But a lot of the cast, obviously, um, of the of the team. Well, the, the cast of uh, players playing the, the basketball team are uh, actors with Down syndrome, autism, conditions like that. So they, you know, have, they they are playing, you know, it, it seems to have been cast sensitively. Uh, so we'll only see, we'll have to wait and see how it, how it turns out. But Okay. So 
Is this based on a true story? I don't know. Okay. I feel like I've heard this before, but maybe I've just heard about this movie. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Uh, The next one we have is uh, Butter Number. 65. It is 65, uh, starring Adam Driver as an astronaut who crash lands on a mysterious planet only to discover he's not alone. Now, um, I mean, it's in the trailer, so it's not really much of a spoiler, but when he says not alone, uh, dinosaurs, it's dinosaurs. Ooh, that's cool. uh, And I think the 65 would probably be, again, not seeing the film, he's actually 65 million years in the past. I was going to say he's gone back in time, hasn't he? Uh, so How he is you know, it, it's a sci-fi thing with dinosaurs he's got laser guns and stuff but uh so it also stars ariana Wait, greenblatt so and chloe it, coleman sorry, sorry is it not is it not that much further in the future that we get laser guns then well he's he's an astronaut that's come back like through he's on a mysterious planet so presumably he's i don't know i don't know we'll have to watch the film sam oh fine okay <laughs> uh but dinosaurs and adam cool. driver so that seems fun. Okay. And um, this is a bumper week for releases. We have uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Now, this sounds scary. Yes. So this is what happens when stuff goes into the public domain. There's on art and other intellectual properties, creative works, there is a period of copyright. That period is generally 75 years, and then it goes into what is called the public domain. So it can then be reproduced and the characters become free to be used by whomever to do whatever stories they want. That's why you get a lot of versions of, say, Sherlock Holmes. You get so you know, Shakespeare. You get, you get you know Shakespeare and stuff. You get um Yeah, like Sherlock Holmes, for instance, is a good example because the character can appear in Modern day London, like in Sherlock, can appear in modern day New York, like in Elementary, can be a sort of side character in his sister's stories, like in Enola Holmes, can be uh, an old man played by Ian McKellen in that other one that I can't remember the name of, but it's actually quite good. You could have just said like Holmes or something. (laughs) It's probably called that. So... (laughs) Yeah, so this is what happens with Winnie the Pooh. Someone has created a horror story, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. So after Christopher Robin abandons them for college, Pooh and Piglet embark on a bloody rampage as they search for a new source of food. Oh, gosh. It's like Toy Story 2, but 18 (laughs) rated. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Don't go into it thinking it's Toy Story 2. I don't want you to to think that's the case, but... I was actually watching um, a YouTube video essay recently about about this, and copyright has only in the last couple of decades or something been extended to as long as it is, like you said, like a 75-year period, or it depends on the country that you're in and things like that as well, but it just sort of stifles the creativity surrounding like popular culture that's present now so things like i suppose harry potter is like the obvious example jk rowling is going to hold that for copyright forever and ever and no one can do anything fun with it without fear of being sued so we have like people looking back to much older content 
because yeah we can't use new stuff um and yeah it was really interesting and i hadn't appreciated that yeah copyright originally was only something like seven years it was not long at all and so like the the or or 12 years or something i can't remember it was it was a short short amount short enough amount of time that the first like four harry potter books would be out of copyright at this moment and people could do like cool creative stuff with it but not anymore so there's also rules with copyright um which actually led to something quite re- um sort of interesting recently where it someone can hold the copyright so you can buy a so a filmmaker this is how obviously films get made from books they will say someone like steven spielberg will buy the rights to make a film from the work of some author and they pay that money and they say we're going to try and make a a movie out of this now obviously such is the world of filmmaking these movies don't you know, sometimes don't get made. And so the rights can then revert back to the original right holder, in this case, the author. Because if you don't do anything with the rights, it's basically, it reverts back to the original author, uh, the original copyright holder. So to stop people just buying up copyright here, you know, left, right and centre, and then not doing anything with it. So... Famously, Warren Beatty or Beatty did uh, a big budget version of Dick Tracy, who's an old comic character. Yeah, it came out in 1990 called Dick Tracy. Big, very expensive uh, film starring him and Al Pacino and Madonna and Dustin Hoffman and all sorts. It didn't do very well. Uh, it was a bit of a flop, bit critically sort of all over the place. It's quite an interesting sort of looking movie, but he retained the rights to it. He always intended to do more things with it. So recently he actually produced a half hour, like kind of Warren Beatty in conversation with Dick Tracy, where he plays Dick Tracy and he plays himself and they have like dinner together and they have this, and he produced it and it was released. It was released on television. And now that sort of resets, like he's done something with the rights now. So he can retain them; otherwise, it went. It would go back to not being his sole exclusive rights. Oh, but why do you just want to like, like, just let it go? I don't he, know. Like, I think I think the idea is that he has wanted to try and make something with it. Okay. Just he he hasn't managed to do it, but he needed to do something just to retain those rights. Retain the rights to it, but mm. I mean, copyright law is obviously very long and. Lots of boring bits to it, but there are oh, some yes. interesting bits to it. Yeah, welcome and sometimes to our they lead to podcast. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. What did you say? Sorry, I said welcome to our law law podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on to the next part. We we got a bit deep there into. I didn't expect the out of the four films we had there that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey would be the one we spoke about the most. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. Like, it's a very interesting, like the ins and outs of like copyright. Obviously, not so much, but like the. I don't think people, re- like I said, I, I never realised, I don't think people realise that copyright hasn't always been the way it is now and that, you know, massive Disney Plus stuff that's never going to go out of copyright, you know, people can't do anything creative with it, even though they might find, you know, do something amazing and we'll just never know. But anyway, yeah. 
So uh, let's move on. Okay, Chris, let's have a look at what's on new to streaming. Uh, let's start with Netflix. We have Luther, The Fallen Son. Yes, so this is the return of Luther, played by Idris Elba, the grizzled, downtrodden-looking cop, London cop. Uh, it was originally a BBC series. I have never seen Luther, but mm-hmm. I know people rave about it, and it's got great reviews and everything. This is a feature-length film uh, released on Netflix, uh, where he's Luther is haunted by his failure to capture the cyber psychopath who now taunts him, and he decides to, this is probably a spoiler from later series, break out of prison to finish a job by any means necessary. It's also got Cynthia Erivo and uh, Andy Serkis and Dermot Crowley, who returns as Martin Shank. That, that must mean something. Really, like I said, but there are a lot of people out there that are like, oh, not Martin Shank. So um, Luther is one of those, It's it's on a very long list of, if I had lots of time and whatnot, I would, I would watch and probably enjoy. But it's one of those. Maybe I'll con- get to it one day. There's so much content now. Yeah. Okay, and that is sun, as in the big bright gas ball in the sky, opposed yeah, to S O N. But also, it probably has a bit of a double meaning. I'm These sure these things it does. normally do. Yeah, exciting times for for Luther getting out and. Uh, Take you know, kicking ass, taking names, I guess. I don't know. Cool. So um, over on Mubi, we have something called Holy Spider. Yes, indeed. So this is so I've, uh, this isn't like premiering on Mubi. This is uh, this is its sort of um, streaming debut on Mubi, but it did have a small cinema release uh, a while back. But this is the latest film from uh, Iranian filmmaker Ali Abbas, uh, Abbasi, sorry, and it's set in the holy city of Mashhad. It follows a journalist, uh, Rahimi, uh, as she investigates the murder of several sex workers by the Spider Killer, who uh, believes he's on a divine mission to cleanse the city of sinners. Uh, so it's actually based on a real life story of a, uh, of a serial killer from two thousand two. But it's so it's it's a crime procedural drama, but also um, sort of exposing sort of hypocrisy and misogyny um, within the Iranian justice system. It's uh, had very very good reviews. Uh, it actually um, because Abbasi lives in Copenhagen, uh, it was actually um, Denmark's entry for the 95th uh, Academy Awards for for Best International Film. Uh, didn't make the uh, shortlist. Uh, didn't make the, the final nominations, but it did make the shortlist uh, before that. Uh, but yes, it seems like a very interesting film. It sounds very... It does sound very interesting. All right, well, hopefully we'll catch that at some point. And uh, let's now have a look at Where To Next. <laughs> All right, Chris, we've got a couple of movies on the list here, one from Japan and one from Indonesia. So these are, it's been a while since we actually did one where we said in advance what we we're going to do, but I thought, you know, I want to keep this going. So there's been a couple of films that I've seen, uh, films not in the English language uh, in the past month, one, yeah, one from Japan, one from Indonesia. 
The Japanese one is both available on Netflix, actually. The Japanese one is called The Fable, The Killer Who Doesn't Kill. And I watched this and enjoyed it greatly and only found out after I watched it that it's actually a sequel. And uh, I had not seen the first one. Whoops. So, yeah, it didn't stop my enjoyment of it. There were a few bits partway through. I was like, this is a bit weird. But I just sort of went with it. And then later some characters pop up that you're like, you're clearly then meant to know who they are. Yeah, it's like watching Fast 9, having never seen any other Fast and Furious movies. Exactly, that would be insane, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. That would be such a silly thing to do. I don't know and anyone who's done that. <laughs> watch Hobbs and Shaw and then Fast 8, and yeah. then insist that you want to work backwards through the Fast films. Yeah, it makes sense. Like They start out as these like international... like spy mercenaries or whatever and then they end up in a quiet life where everyone's happy and alive i guess yeah except two movies in you got really confused as to who some of the characters were and their relationships to one another it's like yeah because you're watching it in the wrong order yeah but it was fine i didn't mind i minded because i had to <laughs> fill the questions about it <laughs> next time i'll just sit in silence it's fine <laughs> anyway uh, so that's the fable, uh, the killer who doesn't kill. Which, like I said, some very good stunts, very exciting action and choreography. And what's um, the prequel original called? It's just called the fable, right? So yeah, he's a hitman who, known as the fable, who no one really even knows what he looks like, but he's then told by his like criminal boss. See, I'm not seen the first one, so I, I don't know exactly the reasons why. He said, you know. You're not allowed to kill anyone. So you got to stay, you know, go go underground. Don't bring any attention to yourself. You're not allowed to kill anyone. So he ends up trying to save people whilst not killing anyone, and which cool. leads to some sort of imaginative set pieces and things like that. It's quite hmm. quite well done. Now, in the opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> yeah, just a touch. You have this is a film that I've seen. I hadn't seen the fable before. The next one I've seen multiple, multiple times because it's great, and it's The Raid. I'm not going to don't have to go into much detail about it, but it's just fantastic. You should watch it. If you're an action aficionado, you should see it. And directed by a Welshman, Gareth, Gareth Evans, and he also recently did Gangs of London, uh, which was on Sky, which also had some fast-paced sort of you know action and shoot-em-ups. Uh, the Raid is just excellent action filmmaking and there's a lot of killers who kill in it so not for the faint of heart but there is a lot of violence yes but it's a yes, siege there movie is. it's a siege movie and you it's love a those. siege movie and i love a siege movie yeah and it's all set within like one apartment block basically a swat team an indonesian swat team are going into a building that's 20 stories tall they there's a drug lord that lives on the top floor and they've got to make their way up to capture him. Stuff goes wrong, S it's the fan, and they get sort of locked in and they've got to fight to survive when an entire building wants to kill them. So Very good. Okay, yeah. well thank you for your for for those picks. Um for people to to catch up on if they would like if that sounds like something that you're interested in and uh we'll move on on now to your pick of free to air tv movies 
Let's start with tonight, Friday the 10th of March, on Legend at 11.05pm, so a bit of a late one, we have The Evil Dead 2. I want to start by saying that Legend will appear several times in this list, and actually seems like it has quite a few good things on it, so I should watch Legend more. But yes, Mm. Evil Dead 2, Sam Raimi's uh, successful sequel to his original The Evil Dead, Uh, this one is starting to so the first evil dead is is a straight up horror film very low budget horror film the second film starts to veer towards comedy and then the third film army of darkness just goes out and out comedy with some horror in it Uh, but it's very clever very fun low budget horror filmmaking uh, from a horror legend so that's probably why it's on legend at uh, 11.05 till 10 to 1 in the morning uh, on friday Brilliant. Okay, so then tomorrow on Saturday, the 11th of March at 9 pm on Film 4, we have Saving Private Ryan. We do indeed. Um, One of the all time uh, sort of classic great war films, Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I partly picked this as well because of the recent passing of uh, actor Tom Sizemore at the age of 61. He plays uh, Tom Hanks is sort of second in command within the squad. Um, he recently passed away and he had a, a pretty long film career, normally playing sort of quite grizzled hard nuts and villains. Uh, he, towards the end of his life, had, it's a bit of an understatement to say, some troubles uh, with drugs and alcohol and um, run-ins with the law. But uh, he he was always he was a sort of fixture of late nineties, uh, early two thousands sort of films, quite big budget films. He's in also Black Hawk Down, which I believe was also on uh, at some point this week, um, but I can't remember because I didn't when because I didn't cho- choose it. Uh, but yeah, so Saving Private Ryan uh, on Saturday eleventh at nine pm on Film Four. Great. Moving on to Sunday, then we have also on Film Four. So you don't even have to switch the channel over uh, from the night from the night before. At four ten p.m., we have 2019's Little Women. Yes, another classic all-time war film. Um, this is Greta Gerwig's <laughs> Little Women. I mean, kinda, <laughs> just a different kind of war. Um, class war. Class war and war against the patriarchy. So this is Greta Gerwig's um, adaptation of Mary Louise Alcott's uh, Little Women classic novel uh, starring Saoirse Ronan as uh, Joe Marsh, March, uh, aspiring writer, and it's and sort of her relationship with her family her and her sisters for Little Women of the title. And I think I got the author's name. I can't remember what I said the author's name. Louisa May Alcott is her name. I don't think I said that. I think I got it wrong the first time. I'll check. Um, but anyway, it's this is a fantastic movie full of absolutely gorgeous performances. Uh, especially, I mean, they're all great, but especially for Florence Pugh who... I mean, we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times. <laughs> Florence Pugh is great. Especially because the the film is essentially set in two time periods, and it keeps it keeps swapping back between the two. One is the 
you know past when they're sort of younger they they are sort of teen early teens and children and then later when they're adults and Florence Pugh just seamlessly switches between the two and you, she's equally as believable as a you know bratty little child as she is a strong-willed adult and yeah it's just a great film it's wonderful absolutely yeah i totally agree and a little little uh secret for you to watch out for is um the way they depict whether it's present day or in the past is you get your different color color schemes where if you're in the past you've got sort of warmer hues oranges etc it's bathed then, in the warmth of nostalgia. Exactly. And retrospect. And present day is cold and blue and mean. <laughs> yep. That's adulthood for you. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that is used especially well um, in this movie. So little secret film tip for you there to watch out for. All right. On Monday the 13th on BBC Two at 11.15pm, we have a movie called Don't Look Now. Now, this is a film occasionally we like to put in films that we haven't actually seen. Um, so, you know, to maybe remind us that we should actually watch it. Uh, this one is uh, a classic from 1973, uh, directed by Nicholas Roeg. Uh, it's a, a thriller although without the spies, uh, starring Julie Christie and uh, Donald Sutherland, who are a married couple who travel to Venice following the recent accidental death of their daughter. And it's, yeah, it's considered an all-time classic of the sort of thriller slash horror genre. So um, I thought I'd put that in there as sort of a reminder to ourselves. But it is quite late on Monday, uh, BBC Two, 11.15. Okay, well, on to Tuesday. We have on Legend, back there, at 9pm, The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing, and one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, not very well received when it came out in 1982, and came out the same weekend as Blade Runner, so somewhat overshadowed, uh, but I think it is absolutely wonderful, and it's John Carpenter at the very top of his game. And, yeah... It's just great. Yeah, it's I wonderful. Mean, it's another one that we've spoken about plenty yeah, before. But don't the... really need to say much again. But yeah, no, just... Legend, nine PM. And if 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 someone said to me Blade Runner or the Thing, I'd pick the Thing to watch. Oh yeah, so Blade Runner. Can... You know what my hot take is? What is it? Blade Runner's quite boring. Oh my goodness, Chris, you're gonna have to cut that bit out. I think Blade Runner looks good. It's not all that. But what about when the belt of Orion and tears of Jupiter and... Oh, you mean time... right at the end? What, when you you've had right to sit the end, through? Had to, you know, yeah, you've had to sit through the entire thing. To get to that one brilliant speech. Yeah. That Eli off the dome came up no, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying it's quite slow and a bit dull. Okay. Well, and that's interesting. when Harrison Ford tries to track down the replicant who's a dancer... And he go. He pretends to be a journalist. For some reason, he puts on a funny voice, even though she's never heard his voice before. So it's like, what are you doing, Harrison? 
What are you doing, Ridley? You're the director. Sort it out. Anyway. Yikes. Okay. Well, that's due think, for a remake. The thing is better than Blade Runner. There you go. I said it. Because <laughs> didn't someone try to remake the thing? Maybe it's Blade Runner's turn. Well, Blade Runner... Okay. Other hot take. Blade Runner 2049 that came out a few years back. Better than Blade Runner. There you go. Wow. Hot take. All the... F- all the... Re- all the... All the takes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to you, call you've it. You've been bombarded with takes. <laughs> yeah, they're too hot to handle. Oh gosh! Quick, hot potato. Wednesday, the fifteenth of March, on Five Star, at nine pm, we have Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Yes, Patrick Swayze plays a legendary bouncer who gets hired by the owners of the Roadhouse, a very a very tough bar. And the owners are like, no, this is too tough. People keep fighting. People like, you know, our bar isn't making any money. It's too rough. Let's hire this legendary, cool, chill bouncer. And he'll come and sort everything out. And then he messes with the wrong people. And then it's all very silly, but it's actually quite good fun, I think. It is, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Patrick Swayze doing doing his thing. So Doing Patrick Swayze things. Yeah, excellent choice. And finally, but not least, that's definitely the phrase. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly what the phrase is. Uh, Last but not least, on Thursday the 16th of March, also on Legend, at 10.50pm, this is an appropriate time slot for this movie, it follows. It does indeed. And when we saw this a couple of years ago on Halloween, my pick for Halloween, I liked this film more than you did, I seem to remember. Yeah, I think I think perhaps I wasn't sure what it was going to be and I think I didn't give it as much credit as I should have and now like all these years later <laughs> having allowed it to percolate through my system and brain and thoughts. Yeah, it's it's I think it probably is a lot better than I originally gave it credit for and would watch it again. So basically the idea of it is that there's a ghostly figure that is transferred basically like an STI between people when they have sex. And if you have sex with a person who's being followed by this thing, it then starts to follow you. Now, this thing walks, it moves at a walking pace and only you can see it, uh, but it's always moving slowly to you wherever you are. You can you can fly to an entirely different country in the other world. Eventually, it'll walk its way to you. And yeah, that mid Atlantic ridge is no <laughs> not stopping it. It's a very it's a very simple good premise for a horror film. Yeah, and it and as such, you're constantly watching the edges or the backgrounds of every frame of the film seeing if you can spot the thing. And it, it's no, that it was means... a movie from earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it means that like even scenes set during the day where normally normally in horror movies set in the day means you're safe until it gets to nighttime. But no. Just characters standing around talking. No, you can't you're always on the edge. Uh and it's very effective uh, it's got a sort of John Carpenter-esque feel to it, especially um, with the music. It's a lot of synth music. Um, and 
because it's not set as well in like a particular time. Like some of it suggests like, oh, is this modern day? Or no, it's, it looks like the 90s. Oh, it could be the early 2000s. Well, actually, it could be the 1980s. It yeah. sort of like flicks around, but it's... Kind of timeless. It's kind of timeless. And I think it's very effective filmmaking. Well, that is a fantastic movie to end on. Um, thank you so much for all of your picks. Lo- lots of good ones in there. This week is jam-packed. And, well, thank you so much for listening. And Chris and I will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, me as the guide. But in between us is uh, Max and Danny next Friday. So do tune in to those. And, well, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can. You can email me on sam at com, or you can catch Chris at chris at stalbanspodcast.com <laughs> yep See, I was trying, that's correct i was trying to phrase it in a way that i wouldn't use your name twice but then i just anyway never mind uh, we understand how emails work i guess yeah it's fine um brilliant well thank you chris for uh, all your hard work putting those notes together and um i'll i'll speak to you soon and listener take care bye bye <laughs>